is what it says. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul builds on what we started talking about last week. And he starts his, his introduction. He's praising the Lord for them. Which is just crazy because this group of people isn't like the model church. These guys were screwed up. They were doing a bunch of crazy stuff. Like I mentioned last week. You know, suing one another. All kinds of sexual immorality. Think they're going crazy. And Paul, he will correct them later on in his letter to them. But he starts out by giving praise to them. Because even in the midst of their messed upness, he's recognizing God's grace in their life. And he's praising them. Oh God, we thank you for the grace that you have extended to them. And it comes off this understanding, what we talked about last week, is that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just that we are saved from hell. We are given a new identity. We are no longer sinners, but we are saints. And I know when I said that last week, I was like, what? I'm not so sure. And I understand for many of us that that's a new concept. Um, Yes, we are sinners prior to faith in Jesus Christ, but we are given a new nature, a new identity. We're no longer sinners, but we are saints, where we are people that are holy. We are set apart. We are pure. We are, we are holy unto the Lord. And, and now our nature has changed where, yes, we sometimes do some dumb things. We still sometimes sin, but that is no longer our nature in who we are. And God has sanctified us. He's made us pure and holy because of the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. And when we come to faith in Jesus, begins a process of further sanctification, of growing in Christ's likeness. But it is not trying to become something that you're not. Sanctification is growing into maturity into somebody you already are. You are already a saint if you follow Jesus Christ. It is the process of the Holy Spirit doing work in us to mature us and grow us into that. And that's why I think Paul can say, hey, uh, we praise God for the grace he's given you. We've seen the confirmation of the the gospel in your life. We've seen it. You guys have screwed up, yes. But we see it through the, the, the wisdom, through the knowledge. We've seen it through the speech that you give. And then he says, guys, you will not lack any gift. You will not lack any gift until the revelation, till the revealing of Jesus Christ. This is what it says exactly. You are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. It's interesting to me. Do you ever, you ever, you ever feel like, you're like, okay, Britton, yeah, you're telling me I'm a saint if I follow Jesus. I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm a saint. But is there any fear in you of the day that you stand before the Lord that Jesus, that God will look at you and you'll say, just kidding, you're not a saint? You ever fear, fear that? 
You're like, yeah, okay, cool, this feels good. Some days I feel like a saint, some days I don't. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but what if? What if I get before the Lord and and, and he he looks at me in in judgment? Because the reality is, I mean, this is the promise that we have in Christ, is that Jesus not only died for our sins, he rose from the dead, he ascended up into heaven. We're currently at this very moment. Jesus uh, is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realm. And the promise is that Jesus will come back and he will restore the brokenness in the entire country cosmos and the entire universe and we will be able to see him face to face those that follow jesus that we will be with him for all of eternity but that process will be that there will be a point of judgment and those that do not know the lord will stand in judgment and yes it will be terrifying but john first john says that uh, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with judgment And we don't have to worry about that judgment or that punishment because as followers of Jesus Christ, that punishment has been placed upon Jesus Christ so that we can stand confidently knowing that the day will come that we will stand before Jesus and we will be seen as holy, as pure, as set apart, as beloved. But why why is it, right? Why is it that we still, we struggle so much with the assurance of knowing of what it will be like when we stand before the Lord? How many of you think, like, if you're really honest with yourself, you ask yourself those questions, have I done enough? Have I, have I believed the right stuff? Did I screw up too many times? Is it really true that the blood of Christ forgives me of all of my sin? I mean... Isn't it true we often wrestle with that and struggle with it? And here's the good news of the gospel. You haven't done enough. You never will be able to do enough. But the good news is what it says here is it's not based on your works. It's based on God's faithfulness. It is God who has called you. It is God that has enriched you with all speech and knowledge. It is God that has confirmed that calling. It is God that's going to reveal Jesus. It is God that is going to sustain you until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one that is faithful. It is his work of righteousness in Jesus Christ. It is his perfection. It is his blood that's been shed. That is the only reason that you and I can stand confidently before the judge on that final day and say it is not by my work that I get to spend an eternity with you but it's based on the work and the grace and mercy of Christ and Christ alone but for so many of us there's such a lack of this assurance that like uh, because it's, because so often we go off of feeling and emotions. Like, I know, Britain, you say I'm a saint, I'm made new, I'm a new creation, but man, I don't feel like it. Especially those days where you screw up like crazy. And they were like, oh, that's it, I've blown it, I'm done. But God is at work in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. He will do the work of sustaining you and maturing you and growing you to prepare you for the day that you will stand in judgment and you will be called holy and righteous and redeemed. But I will be honest. At one level, this scripture, I think, gives such hope and such joy and such freedom. Because when you have the revelation in your heart that like, oh, 
Uh, he will sustain me. Yes, even when I screw up and mess up, he is going to give me what I need for repentance and maturity. And he's going to do that work within me. Oh, I praise the Lord. It just gives me such joy and freedom because I, like you, screw up. And therefore, instead of running away from the Lord, I run to him because I know I'm loved and accepted. I don't beat myself up when I mess up because I know the Lord will sustain me. The promise is that the, the work that he began in us, he will be faithful to complete it to the very end. God's not about redeeming you halfway. He wants to go all the way. But redemption isn't simply to save you from hell. It is to form you into the image of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes I think we read this and it's like, okay, I'm good to go. God will sustain me. But the question I have is, how do you know if you're a saint? I can tell you you're a saint. We can tell one another they're a saint. But what if you're not? I wonder if sometimes we give a false assurance of salvation to ourselves and to one another because we're finding assurance in the wrong thing rather than from God himself. You see, so often I think we've made salvation about simply not going to hell. I mean, think about it. If I'm going to say to you, all right, if you do not accept Jesus, you're going to burn in hell in fiery torment for all of eternity. It's going to be horrible. You can have that option. Or the other option is you can go to heaven where there's streets of gold and it's going to be wonderful and peaceful and delightful. Which one do you want? I don't know many of us are like, you know what? Hell, it doesn't sound that horrible. I'll, you know, no. But here's the problem. If we follow Jesus simply to get out of hell and get to heaven, is that the gospel, therefore, then is not about knowing God himself. You see, 1 Corinthians says, like, we will not lack any gift. And the word here means, like, grace gift. And the grace gift is salvation. If you go to Romans 6, 23, it says... uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, yes, it is a gift of grace that God has given us, which is eternal life. But here's the thing. We've made eternal life simply to mean living forever. Eternal life doesn't simply mean living forever. Because oftentimes, we've made for ourselves in our mind a heaven in our own image. That we love heaven because we get to do all the things that we love to do here on earth. We just get to do them for all of eternity. That is not eternal life. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life. This is Jesus giving us the definition of what eternal life is. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. That's the beauty of the gospel. What was separated because of Adam and Eve's sin is to know God intimately, to know him in relationship. That was separated. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus was sent to do all the work necessary for us to be restored in relationship with the Father and creator of the universe. And so often we've turned it into be, oh good, I can live forever. Who cares about living forever if we don't get to know Jesus face to face for all of eternity? But even when I say that, in your heart, can you answer the question, do you know God? Because Jesus gives a really firm warning in in Matthew 7, 21. 
He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I mean, like, There are some of us, some of you, who have done amazing things. You will see signs and wonders. You will do amazing good things and nice things. And you'll know all the Bible verses. And and you'll even do godly things. But that is not what gets us entrance into the kingdom. Because on that day, the question is, will God say to you, Hey, I know you. Welcome. Or will he say, I never knew you. Like, I, I, I don't say this to you to, like, be all condemning, but here's the truth. There are some of you that are here, and you think you're saved, and there's no assurance of salvation because you're not actually saved. There are some of you this morning who, um, there are some of you here this morning who think you have assurance of salvation, but you really don't because you're putting your assurance in the wrong thing. Sometimes we have those questions of assurance. We say, yes, but I grew up in the church. Yes, I grew up in a Christian family. Yes, I've gone to church my whole life. Never once is that what the Bible points us to, to find assurance of our salvation. Some of you would say, yes, but I said a prayer at one point in time, asking Jesus in my heart to follow him. And never once is that the thing that's ultimately pointed to is the thing that gives us assurance. Some of you say, yes, I was baptized, whether that was a, as a baby or as an adult or a teenager, kid, whatever. We may point to that and say, yes, yes, but I was baptized. Therefore, I have the assurance of my salvation. Never once in the word is baptism pointed to as the assurance of salvation. Baptism is simply the outward expression of an inward reality. And if there is no evidence of an inward transformation and an inward change, I think that's cause for concern and to ask a few questions whether you are truly saved. There is evidence of fruit in our life if our life has been transformed. If we have been made to be a saint, then there is evidence of truly knowing God. Like, do you, do you love him? I mean, it says this, and this is, this is a great promise in 1 Corinthians 8.3. It says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. The question is, do you love God? Like, no, really, do you? Do you not say, yeah, of course. I'm do, does your heart long for him? Do you eagerly wait his return? I think so often we, we, we don't look forward to his return because we're like, ah, oh, but all these things I'm going to miss out on and it, what's going to happen? There's such a, a, a things that are unsure. Like we should long and look forward to the return of Jesus Christ as like a, a lovesick, uh, like a lover that hasn't seen someone in a long time that you're longing to see him face to face because now at this moment we are able to have a relationship with Jesus. We get to talk with him and him talk with us and we get to know him and be known by him but even now it is simply as like one who looks dimly in a mirror and there will be a day when we will get to see him face to face and that should burn deeply within our heart that says oh god that you would come soon jesus because i long to see you but so often it's like eh. paul later in second corinthians 13 m- makes it like, just says how important this is. That we should never assume things 
that just because of this event or that event, like, oh yes, I'm saved until the Holy Spirit himself has given that assurance in our heart. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Like Paul's pleading. He said, guys, this is super important. That you test yourself. That you examine yourself. That you test your life. And with this, it's proof... There is an ability to know. Some would say, oh, you, there's no way to know if, if you are truly uh, one of faith. There's no way to know if you are, are saved. There's no way to know if God will preserve you to the end and see you as holy and blameless and guiltless. That's not true. I believe in this, there is a testing that we should do, an examining of ourselves, but that the Holy Spirit will give us assurance in our heart that we are children of God. Romans says this, that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. There is proof that the Holy Spirit will give us revelation in our heart that we are saved. But the question is, has the Holy Spirit given you that? I think oftentimes I got of love that we say, oh no, it's cool, you're good, you say, oh, it's fine. No, no, I, I would say to you, press into the Lord, ask Ask him for revelation. Ask him to give you a confirmation in your heart. Ask that the Holy Spirit would testify in your spirit that you are a child of God. Because when that day comes, it's not a thing of mentally believing the right stuff. But it's a knowing deep within your spirit that comes from outside of yourself and your ability to believe. It comes from the Holy Spirit that testifies and says, yes, I am a child of God. And I will tell you, there is nothing then that can sway you from the truth of walking in step with the Spirit. When God gives you the revelation in your heart that you are truly a child of God. When we walk, is it, when we have the identity of a saint, there are some, some things that we should see evident in our life. And then listen, I'm not saying that you never screw up. Like, here's the thing, you screw up, but when your heart is one that says, yes, but I'm a saint, I'm a child of God, I have a new identity. When you screw up, it's saying, oh, but I hate this, I don't want to keep doing this, ugh. And you're walking with the Holy Spirit to walk in greater maturity of becoming, being a saint. If some of you go, I know what the Bible says, I know what God wants, but eh, who cares, forget it, I'm going to do whatever I want. That would show a heart that has no love for the Lord. 1 John 2, verse 3 says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. I love that he's so clear. You want to know if you know him? Keep his commands. You want to know if that you are in him? Verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. Like, our heart should long to do the things Jesus does. Like, think about it. For those of you that are married, and you have that marriage, you make that covenant. And with my wife, Michelle, and I, she's like, nope. I am married, I'm committed to you. There's such assurance. I'm not afraid of losing my marriage with her. But that doesn't give me free reign to be like, ah, oh, she's committed to me. No worries. I'll go sleep with this person and this person, do whatever I want, not help her on the house because, oh, she's committed to me. Nonsense. Because it's not just a commitment, it's a deep love for one another. I have security in her commitment and her love for me, but that spurs me on to walk, not see how far away from her I can get with getting away with it, but how close I can walk towards her. 
my heart out of an overflowing of love because of that commitment spurs me on to do what pleases her, not what's like, and eh, whatever I want to do. I would say the same thing here. If we know the Lord and we love him, it's going to spur us on to walk in the way he wants us to walk. Now, don't read this. The enemy's going to try to twist this and say, you didn't keep this command or this command or this command this week. You obviously don't know the Lord. Like, this is a process of sanctification, a process of growing in Christ's likeness. But when you do something wrong, is your heart going like, oh, man, I hate that. I don't like that. Or is it like, eh, who cares? Because... When you're like, eh, I don't like it, it would say that your nature is one that is contrary to the way of wickedness. Here's another one. 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of the Father, uh, will of God abides forever. If you know God and if you love Him, you're not going to love the things of the world. You're going to love the things of the Lord and love what He's about and want to do what He is ultimately about. Uh, Here's the thing this morning. Like my... My heart for you, I just want to be like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, I, I know so many of you have loved ones that are like walking away from the Lord. And yes, I, I trust God is a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one. I trust the Lord that he is a pursuer, that he is consistent, he's persistent. He, he's just a ruthless lover and, and will come after us and chase us. But, but I think even in that, we have to be careful how we assure one another. And, and instead of saying, oh, it's okay because you did, said a prayer once, you were baptized once. Those are good things. But is there any evidence of fruit in your life? Do you know the Lord? And I just want to be like, know him, know him, know him. And here's the thing that the Lord kept bringing me back to this week. I have no ability to make you know the Lord. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we know the Lord and that is settled in our spirit, it gives us such confidence. I mean, Paul, Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. In the middle of it says, for I know whom I have believed. That's what he says, like, I, I know him. I am confident in him. Oh, I know him. And then because he knows him, he says this, and I am convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. There is such a confidence that no matter what comes at him, no matter what persecution, no matter what struggle, no matter what hardship, no matter what difficulty, no matter how he's feeling that day, the ups and downs, he knows because he's settled in his spirit that the Holy Spirit has revealed to him that he is a child of God. What has been revealed to him is the character and nature of God, that he is one who is no longer a sinner and a saint, but because God is faithful, not because of Paul's faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness, he will see it to completion to the very end that Paul can stand confidently and look forward to the day of Christ's return that he will stand before him as holy, as pure, as blameless, and as guiltless. And and if you fear the day of the Lord, my question is, do you know the Lord? Now, maybe you do. Maybe it's unneeded fear that you just need the Lord to deal with. But my hope for you, 
that today that you would do as Paul urges us in 2 Corinthians is to examine yourself, to test yourselves, to see the work that, that is within you, uh, to, to see is what resonates in your spirit. Do you know the Lord? Do you love him? Can you say what Paul says? I count it all loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Like, there is such hope. There is such security. There is such joy when the Holy Spirit has settled in your heart that you are a saint and that he will preserve you to the end. But for some of you, there's not that assurance. And I can't give it to you until the Holy Spirit does. But I want to pray for you for it. Because Paul urges them and pleads with them. And, and at the end of the day, he prays over and over that they would be, uh, have the revelation of the Lord. That the Lord would reveal it in their heart who God is. That the Lord would reveal in their heart what he's done for them. That the Lord would reveal in their heart that they are made new. That they're no longer a sinner, but they're a saint. They're no longer in the flesh, but they're in the spirit. And so, um, I want to pray with you. I want to use a couple of Paul's prayers to, um, to guide me, but then I, I want to pray for you uh, for the revelation of the Lord. Like, my... I just don't want you to leave here without, without knowing that you know the Lord. Some, some of you are really scared or ashamed because you're, you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and you're like, oh, why I should have this assurance by now? I'm going to be embarrassed to admit I, I don't have that assurance, but that you would say, oh, yes, but it's God's grace that he's even revealing that lack of assurance in me to make sure that my assurance doesn't come from some act I did, or, but through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit in me. All right, enough of me talk. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, what an incredible promise that you've given us. That you did the work of calling us. That you do the work of sustaining us. That you do the work of, of, of pursuing us. You do the work of changing our hearts, God. You do the work of, of, of affirming and confirming that calling. You do the work of sustaining us until the very end. You do the work of making us pure and making us clean. And so I pray for a freedom and a release for people trying to, trying to earn it and act like they deserve it. Trying to put up a front to other people that, oh yeah, I'm, say, I'm, I'm good, I'm a saint. Look at this because of what I produce, what I do, even the good things. God, I pray that you give revelation in our heart that you would confirm in our heart what it means that we are saints and for those god that do not even know you god and think they do would you be so gracious and so merciful god to open up the reality uh, that they have not known you god and to call them into repentance and as paul says I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Oh God, that we would know. Oh God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would know the hope that we have. That you would settle our back and forth. You would settle our uncertainty, God. Oh God, that you would give us revelation. Oh, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that, a, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, that he may grant you, Moran Park, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh God, that you would give us that revelation. That Moran Park, these people sitting here, God, that we would know your love. That is beyond knowledge. So many of us, God, we know the facts. We know it on paper. We know we've been told for years and years. Yes, Jesus, you love us. Yes, Jesus, you love us. But God, would you give us revelation in our spirit and a security and an assurance that you have made us new. And God, for those that you haven't done that with, that God, that today would be the day of salvation. Not simply saving us from hell, but saving us into new life in you, Jesus. Oh, God. So often we stay in the place of the heart and the mind of knowledge. But revelation of our identity and God's work in sustaining us to the end is more than just agreeing to the right thought in our head, but it's revelation in our heart. And so now I want to pray not just with words that go to our heart, or words that go to our mind, but words that go to our hearts and our spirit. Thank you, God. God, would you do the work of opening the gate of this revelation? God, that you... Jesus, our eternal life. Oh God, that you are gracious and merciful. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Ah, open our hearts, God. Open our hearts to receive for those that don't think that they can receive for whatever reason or excuse that they put up, God, that you would break down that wall, that gate, God, that you would open it, God. I thank you, God, that you've given them the grace, grace that you've extended to us, God.
says. Pray in the spirit. Pray with words. And uh, pray with their minds, then with the words. And in the corporate setting, tells us to pray in the spirit that there would be an interpreter. Sometimes he gives that interpretation to other people. And sometimes he gives it to the one who is uh, praying or speaking in, in that tongue. So I thank you, God, for that interpretation. But that it's you, God, that has to open up the heart. That you, God, are the one that is going to cause us to receive that you, God, are a gracious God that is pouring out this revelation that you want us to walk in the assurance of our salvation. That, God, we thank you that while we are faithless at times, you are faithful. And that, God, that while total Christ-likeness seems so far off, you will sustain us to the end. that are believing the lie that they never could be saints. God, would you remind them of the truth this morning that their sainthood isn't dependent on their work or their action, but on the perfection of Jesus Christ. For those, God, that are walking in unrepentant sin and know it's wrong and their hearts are just aching and uh, it's a horrible, God, that, they, that they're afraid to come to you with it because they're, they're afraid of what you're going to do. God, I pray that they would be reminded, God, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. That you are a loving and tender Father which spurs us on to holiness. God, you want what's best for us. God, would you give us the perseverance for those that are uh, unsure continue to press in until they receive the assurance. For those loved ones, God, who are, are, are walking away from you right now, God, who are not in step with you, God, would you pursue them? Would you, God, chase after them, God, and give them revelation of your love for them, God, that they would turn away from sin and turn toward you? Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your love. Pray this in Jesus' name.